Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. All right, places, everyone. Quiet on the set. Curtains in five. Welcome back to Footlights, a community theater podcast based in the Quad Cities. I am one of your hosts, Jaren Michelle. And I'm Chris Hicks. And this is our first official episode with Tristan Tapscott. Thank you so much for being the first ever guest yeah. on the show. Hey, really I'm honored it. to be here. This is so cool. Oh, Thanks goody, for goody. Me. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. So I kind of want to just start by asking, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> What's your title? Tell us about who Tristan yeah. is and what Tristan does. I'm, I'm one of those dudes that I always say that I'm a um, I'm jack of all trades and master of absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> I do a number of things. <laughs> we should mention that Tristan is... One of the co-founders yes. of the Mockingbird on Maine yes. in Davenport. Yes. Okay, Tristan. One of those things. Yeah, I do a number of things. Uh, I'm an actor. Uh, I, I work on television now. I, I host a show over on WHBF. Um, but yeah, I, I've been doing this for like 20 plus years. And uh, I've kind of done a myriad of things from New York City to here. And I'm here, and oh, wow. I'm very happy to be here. Um, but yeah, I do so many things. It's hard to like kind of say, this is what I do. Because um, I also host a podcast as well. And so it's a Disney-centric podcast called Of Mice and Main Street Men. Oh, that's uh, so fun. It's really great. And we've been doing that for a year. But yeah, I, I'm one of those dudes, as an artist, you find that you have to do so many different things mm. to kind of make it all work. And so I also don't know how to be idle um, the <laughs> pandemic almost killed me because it was like s- so much idleness. Uh, so like I prefer to be as busy as humanly possible. So I'm happy to be here with you all. Okay. Speaking of the pandemic, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, you started Mockingbird during the pandemic. Yeah. What on earth possessed you to do that? Well, you know, I I thought we were going to come out of that a little bit sooner than we did. And so <laughs> I thought, you know, uh, people were kind of giving away leases at that time really cheap. Oh, so, you know, we got a really great deal in downtown Davenport. And we really thought we'd be able to open a lot earlier than we did. And then we didn't. And But that's okay. It gave us plenty of time to get the space ready. And if you haven't been in there yet, it's a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. It's very unique. Um, so it gave us some time to get everything ready and kind of prepare things. And, uh, but yeah, I was a little bit bonkers. Um, but you'll find a lot of my ideas are a little bit, people often say, wait, wait, you're doing what now? And I'm like, I know, I don't know. Oh yeah. We got to get into 20,000 leagues under the sea. Yes, yes, yes. That's going to be a interesting experience. Well, can you tell us, you, it is a very beautiful space uh, for those who haven't seen it before. What, what is it about that when you were choosing a Mm -hmm. space, what was it about that particular space that you, that you liked and that made you think, yeah, this is where I want. Because it is very tiny. Mm -hmm. It is. And that's kind of what we were going for. We were looking for something intimate and small. We didn't want anything overblown and big because we have those in the Quad Cities. Um, what we don't have is kind of a cabaret-style intimate setting like what we have. And we looked at a number of buildings, and I, I just couldn't see it yet. Mm. And when Andrew Wold, who owns that building, showed me that space, I could envision it immediately, and I could see it right away. 
And that's like my superpower as an artist is being able to see the kind of what it needs to be long before anybody else. I mean, my wife, when we looked at that space, goes, I don't see it. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 just trust me. I, I can envision this. And so because the deal was great, but also I could envision it right away as soon as I stepped in the space. I was like, oh, I know what this needs to be. I can see the colors. I can see everything. And so I, I jumped on it. So better for worse, here we are. Speaking of, of cabaret style, which I know, Chris, you had some questions about, but real quick, can you explain uh, to those who may not know, sure. i.e. me, sure. <laughs> our, our sort of theater noob, yeah. uh, what, is cabaret, what does cabaret style mean? Yeah, by that, what I mean is kind of a tables and chairs set up a more informal um, set up to where we can kind of rearrange the space if we need to. Mm. Um, but I just like that look of a, you know, a tables and chairs kind of set up. Like the speakeasy at Circuit 21 has that, um, but it's a little bit bigger. And so what we were trying to do is find something kind of small, hole-in-the-wall Chicago-style mm. storefront theater to go with, but still have like an elegance to it. And, you know, a lot of people have hosted parties in there now. And so we're finding that it has a multi-use. Yeah. And there's been bridal showers in there, birthday parties, things like that. Um, but what we wanted to do was when people walk into the building, they just see how pretty it is mm -hmm. and, you know, what kind of elegance and kind of upscale you have. And, you know, a lot of people comment on the the size of the space, and that's intentional. <laughs> that was always part of the, the deal to make it as small as it is so that you're part of the experience and that they're right there with you and there's really no escaping the, the action that's on stage. Mm. Okay, that's two jumping off points. Yeah for me. Um, the first is the name mm -hmm. Mockingbird, because I don't see mockingbirds around the Quad Cities. Sure. And now I forgot the second one, but I'll think of it again and ask. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Mockingbird. So my daughter's name is Harper Lee. Aww. Yeah. And uh, my ex-wife and I, our favorite book together was um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And I think has a lot of relevance still today. Uh, so we named her after that. And because of that, I wanted to kind of tie her into the name. Uh, so it became the Mockingbird on Main. And a friend of mine, Doug Kootsley, kind of added the on Main part. Originally, it was just going to be called the Mockingbird. But we were on Main Street. I have a affinity for all things Disney. So Main Street USA is a big part of my existence. So he said why don't you just call it the Mockingbird on Main? And now I'm like, well, that has such a great ring to it. Mm -hmm. But So that's where Mockingbird comes Alliteration. from. Alliteration, very it's, good. Yeah. Second question, yes. I remembered. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> because you have such a small venue, yes. how are you able to fund this theater? Because you don't... I mm -hmm. mean, when I go as a reviewer, I mean, everywhere else, I get in free. When I go to yours, I pay... <laughs> You don't have to, though. I know, but <laughs> I want this endeavor yeah. to continue yeah, because it's unique. You do great productions. and But certainly, having so few seats out there, mm -hmm. you can't totally fund that from your admission or whatever. Yeah, no, and we don't. Um, I have a, I have like four or five jobs. <laughs> so oh I work at Circuit 21 um, full-time and then as an actor there, but I also work for WHBF full-time. Um, so... I'm able to kind of, you know, supplement because we do not make what it costs to do those Couldn't shows. possibly. When we're doing something original, it is a little easier because we don't have royalties. But with something like Driving Miss Daisy, there is no way we are making our investment back. But we're on track to pay the rent in March. So 
You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of the extra utilities just come from me. And I've been doing this for so long that I, I recognize that when you're producing theater, you're not making a profit. Even the bigger, you know, spotlight, for instance, their building's so huge that, you know, they're probably just squeaking by just like everybody is. Mm. Um, you know, those that have been in town a lot longer, Music Guild, you know, places like that have endowments that have money and that's great for them. Sure. But places like mine, no, you know, it's a it's a passion project. It's not a money maker by any means, but that's not why we do it. You know, we do it because we want to do it. And that's something that's interesting that you bring up because I don't think a lot of people think about that when they come see a show. Um you know, we could be full, but that doesn't mean we're going to make, you know, it's, there's utilities, there's rent, there's, you know, and there's money we put into the show itself. Cause I, I have this thing with trying to find period pieces for period shows. And I don't like anything to look out of place. There's one thing that looks out of place and driving me stays and it drives me a little bit bonkers, but that's okay. <laughs> um, it was just because we couldn't Oh, tell me it. what it was. So it's the to-go coffee mugs that they come in with. Oh, right. Those right. bother me. But we could not find anything close enough, period-wise, to fit what they needed it to be. So, ah, uh, yes, yeah. So those were a little challenging. And, and I remember thinking that at the time. I think it every time I see it. I'm like, oh, that's the thing. But you know, we found a lot of other things that really work. But um, back to your original. I ramble. I'm so sorry. So we do will I. Go from A to Z. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, yeah, we do not make enough money to really, you know, it's not a pain proposition for us, but we knew that going in. I've invested in shows from here to New York that I've not made money on, but it's not about that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. about getting the experience. And as long as I can fund it, then, you know, I'm, I'm happy to provide the experience, not only for the artists in town, but, but for the, the patrons. Okay. My brain is rambling along with yours. <laughs> Let's go back to New York. Yes. Tell me about yes. your experience there. Okay, so years ago, there was a producer named Ken Davenport, who's a, a Tony winning producer now. Foreshadowing. And, yeah, right, yes. <laughs> and years ago, he he got to thinking, he used to host a podcast called The Producer's Perspective. Mm. And he started to notice that there was not a lot of younger people in the producing pool in New York because it was nearly impossible to get involved in a Broadway show as a producer or as an artistic creative Unless you had stupid amounts of money, which mm. nobody young has. so I can, with, I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, right. So he came up with a, um, a, the idea to crowdfund the 2011 um, Broadway revival of Godspell. Mm. And what he did was he reached out to creatives all across the country, people that were running theaters and just other people that he'd been in touch with. And he created a group called the People of Godspell. Um, the people of godspell.com still exist. You can go find my name on there. There's about 150 of us that were producers on the revival of Godspell. Now we each put in various amounts of money to be involved. We were involved in various ways, um, you know, various meetings that we could be in. You know, I flew out and saw the show and, you know, it was, he really made us feel part of it, which was great. It was a really big community that brought that show together. Now the show didn't succeed. It didn't get a Tony nomination that year. It only ran for about nine months. So we didn't get our investment back. But what we got was a master's class in, in how to do something. And also just to be, you know, passionate about something without having it be a money-making venture, you yeah. know. And I think out of the hundred and some odd shows I've produced in my, my career, I think I've only made any kind of money on two or three of them. It's not been a big money-making venture. Um as much as everyone likes to think that there's a lot of money in that, there's not. Sure. Um, 
So what Ken provided us with was a Broadway producing credit and experience without spending $50,000 to do it. Mm. You well, know. I applaud your courage. I really do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. So that is my... And that's not something I've talked a lot about, I guess I should have. But like back then, you know, social media wasn't a huge thing, you know, so. Why don't you elaborate on um, exactly what a producer is? And I bring that up because many times I'm watching a TV show and it'll say, co-executive producer, (laughs) producer, producer. And it's like, (laughs) what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so different for various mediums, as I found out, because I, I took this job where I'm at on, on the, the TV station back in September. I never worked in television before. And they kind of reached out and like, hey, we need a creative local name. And I was like, well, I, maybe that's me. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm a producer there. Now, what my job there is, is I write and um, put the show together with graphics and whatever video, whatever else, and kind of scope the entire thing out and sculpt it. Um, a theatrical producer is kind of the same thing. You know, for instance, at The Mockingbird, when I say that I'm the producer there, it means that I'm funding it and getting all the pieces together and keeping the place afloat. Now, that changes from, you know, show to show. On Broadway, what that means essentially is they're the kind of the money men involved, money Mm -hmm. men and women. Um, And there are some more creative things involved in that, but it's less creative than something at my level. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I say I'm producing Driving Miss Daisy, that means I paid for the show and bought the props, figured out who was going to be in charge of what, um, got the cast and director together. Um, you know, on television, it means a variety of things. It can be just somebody that put money into it. It can be somebody that had all the creative drive. You know, Jerry Bruckheimer comes to mind. He's a dude. He puts his money and his creative drive into all of his projects. Right. Um, but then there's other producers that are just there because they threw money at it. Oh, those are the executive yeah. producers. Yeah. <laughs> now so, I get it. That yeah. means you're the richest. You know, I, I, you know, I think about somebody like Denny Hitchcock at Circuit 21. That man puts his money, his soul, and his artistic, you know, right. endeavors into it. I mean, he is everything there. Mm. And so, yeah, it just means something a little bit different. You know, a lot of community theaters use a producer as a title of just somebody to keep things kind of – in motion, Music Guild uses one. They're they're not money people. They're just there to help as a liaison from the board to the show. Speaking of money, is Mockingbird totally volunteer? It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we started off paying um, with our first production, The Mountaintop. We brought in two artists for that, in addition to paying a director, um, and we give stipends when we can. Mm. Um, but it, it's part of our goal to try to you know give something to them. But sometimes we just aren't able to do it. I was talking with Don Wooten yesterday, and uh, he brought up Yo-Yo Ma taking a gig with an amateur orchestra, and after completing whatever work they did, um, Yo-Yo Ma said he wanted to play like an amateur. And that struck me because Mm -hmm. amateurs are doing it for the love and they are. Yeah. And it's Instead the of the pay. Yeah. Well, and let me tell you. So I have been doing this professionally in, at Circa for about 15 years around the country, et cetera. But I've kind of come to a point where I want to find that joy again. So like this summer, I'm not at Circa. I'm going to audition for hopefully Music Guild and some other places to try to f- go back to where I discovered that joy. Because I think as artists, sometimes it's really important to go back and find, why did you want to do this in the first place? Like, what was this about? Was it fun? Not that I don't have a blast. Like, we will rock you at circus. So much fun. But there's a part of me that's like, 
I need to discover why I did this that doesn't involve a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, The Mockingbird is great for that because I just love creating experiences. So that, for me, I don't need to be paid for that. But as an actor, I really want to go back to why did I want to do this in the first place? And that's where I think community theater comes in because I think there is a lot – there's – I'm going to say this, there's more love and passion in a community theater setting than there is in a professional setting. And I can say that as a, you know, as, as somebody that's been doing this for so long that I see way more love and passion for people that are doing it for free than people that are doing it for their living. Oh, and I totally agree. And I got started here at the station, uh, doing reviews of amateur shows Mm -hmm. because I used to review for the Moline Dispatch, Argus. And when Lee bought them out, they stopped reviewing amateur yeah. shows. And I was at a show at Playcrafters that was so good and so raw emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought, no one's going to know this because yeah. no one is reviewing amateur yeah. theater. And I have been blown away by the talent we have in the quad cities yeah in particular music guild because until this gig at the station i i was not going to musicals because mr hicks doesn't like (laughs) musicals yeah and so he was kind of putting a damper on my theater going but uh since i started reviewing i was i was so astounded by the vocal talent and And I think part of the reason that we have such talent here is because there's such a cornucopia of, like, opportunity here. If you want to be on a big stage, there are big stages. If you want to be on a small stage, there's small stages. Yeah. And the part of that is you have to adjust the kind of style that you're performing in depending on what kind of stage you're in. Mm -hmm. And this area is really blessed with a variety of those to really kind of train the performers, whether they realize it or not, to be as dynamic as they are. Um, you know, Music Guild is, you know, they're the cream of the crop around here as far as community theaters go. They have it going on. I mean, I used to do stuff out there when it was still open air. And to see their re- evolution has been kind of incredible. Indeed. And Circa, too. I mean, it's, but it's so amazing. If you're a young performer in this town or even an older, like, it does not matter. Like, you are getting such a variety of experiences that oh, yeah. is kind of unmatched. And so, um, I, yeah, I can't say enough good about the, the quality and the, the kinds of theater opportunities that are in this this area. It's kind of amazing. I want to circle back to yeah. something that you said earlier, uh, something that I'm just curious about. You're doing a little bit of foundation setting uh, and sure. ed- educating me a little bit here. Sure. Um, the, you mentioned um, getting directors and cast together. What? Mm-hmm. How does it work, the relationship between a producer and a director? Like, does a director approach you and say, hey, I want to do this show? Or do you – how does all that work? I think it works – Every way that it can. You know, there's some times where I've been approached to direct something at a theater by the board or by the producer. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes, like, I know we kind of throw out a season and like, hey, this is what we want to do. And people approach us. With Driving Miss Daisy, um, the guy that I got to direct that, he's the production mayor at Circuit 21. He's directed it four times. <laughs> so this is his <laughs> fifth time. And so I was like, well, he's obvious choice for that sure. also he's just a really good creative so you wanted to do driving miss daisy and you decided this is the director that i want yeah and picking that show was kind of we picked it last year originally and then had to postpone it due to covid but um and we had a very different creative team very different cast lined up for that and so 
it was kind of a blessing that it did get canceled and we were able to do it with this group of people because Shelly Waldrasper is just divine. Mm. And her and Jeremy together really have created something something magical. And so, yeah, it kind of just depends. You know, there's a few shows that we have coming up this season that um, people have approached me. Alexander Richardson often approached me and said, hey, I have this show. And he's such a talent that I'm like, yes, whatever it is, I don't, it, I don't even have to read it. I'll just say yes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about I kind of because I also um, you know you mentioned shows that you have coming up. Yes. Um, trying to find a way to consol- kind of consolidate all the all of my th- <laughs> everything that I want you to say into one question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But because I know Chris, you wanted to talk about Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, which we're both. Yeah, I want to know really, if I have to sit in an aquarium. We're both really looking this. forward to that show. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What are like? Why did you choose, dry, choose Driving Miss Daisy? Like, what mm-hmm. are the kind of shows that you really want to see at Mockingbird? When you decided, I want to open up a theater yeah. space in the Quad Cities, what was the yeah. vision How that you had? How you the find con- scripts? Yeah. What was the vision you had, the contribution sure. you want to make? Talk about all of those things. Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot of it came from Savannah and I kind of looking at the landscape of, you know, what is being done here, what's not. Driving Miss Daisy kind of came out of a little bit of an audience poll mm. that we were kind of like, what do people want to see? Um, but also part of it comes from giving a voice to some of the 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 artists of color in in the quad cities Mm -hmm. we opened with the mountaintop which um featured two african-american artists directed by an african-american woman that was really important for us to make sure that that we had that Mm -hmm. um and driving miss daisy as well gives an opportunity you know for a a person of color to to star in a show as well so a lot of times it's us looking at okay what's not being done currently in the Quad Cities and what, how can we contribute in a positive way to that cause? Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's somebody brings us a funny idea or I've worked on something that I'm like, oh, this is, you know, we did Around the World in 80 Days um, last year with just two actors and told the entire story and it was so much fun that I'm bringing both of them back again to do 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, cool. And so what it is, it's though it's just two performers and they play every character and machine in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Whoa. And it's very fun. Um, you know, they're, they're also done with a lot of heart. So it's not just for the slapstickiness of mm-hmm. it. Um, a lot of times it's there's still some heart there, but we're just having a good time. And I think anymore, it is so important to laugh. Like Driving Miss Daisy is a very important piece because of what it's saying and how it's still relevant. Um, and then sometimes we just want to have a good time. And yeah. what? Most people don't know is that comedy is so much harder it's than drama. So hard. Oh, for I don't sure. know if you've ever seen a comedic actor in a dramatic role; they knock it out of the park. Yeah. So, actors known primarily for their comedic chops are really the superior actors. Yeah, yeah, and and 100%. we just ha- are blessed with a lot of really talented people in our realm. And, you know, we like to showcase them when, you know, when we're able. So that's kind of, we, you know, there's no rhyme or reason necessarily. It's not, we just do this or we just do that. The nice thing about what we're trying to do is offer a variety of different things. So that, um, you know, if you're into something like Driving Miss Daisy or Glass Menagerie, you can come see that. Mm -hmm. If you're into something new, we do have a few brand new things that are completely original coming as well. And, you know, ideally... If we could do all original works all year long, that is our goal, to give a voice to a lot of the playwrights in town. Yeah. But we do have to do something to keep people in the door, hence right. Driving Miss Daisy, Glass Menagerie. 
on a larger scale, what would you like to see happen on the local theater scene? Yeah, so there was something that started to happen during the pandemic that I wish we could do more of. And what that was was a few of us at Circuit 21 were trying to keep at least the public awareness of theater alive. And so mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of virtual cabarets and things like that. And we were able to get kind of the groups to work together a little bit in like a Valentine's Day show or a New Year's Eve show. Um, and I, I would love to see that the theaters work together a little bit more to do something. One of the things I've been wanting to do and trying to get done in this area forever is kind of the Quad Cities version of the Tony Awards, where Ooh. everybody gets together at Circuit 21. Uh -huh. Everyone, you know, there's a, nomina a nomination sequence somehow, and everyone gets together for this night of celebration. It's less about the awards, but like it's a more of a night of celebration where people can... This show performs a song from, you know, uh, their show that they did last summer or recently or whatever. Mm. But we get all of the groups together and just celebrate this beautiful thing that we've all created. Because whether, you know, we want to admit it or not, we're all part of this. Yeah. And we, you know, there's a there's some weird, like, tension between some groups sometimes. And I don't think it's necessary. I think we all contribute something. And I would love to see us get together more and see what we could do on a larger scale because I think the area deserves to kind of have more recognition than it does outside of this area. Um, and I think if we could get everybody together, I think we could make some waves. And because we're all making waves in our own way, but mm -hmm. I think there's ways that we could really rock it out together. I love I love this idea so much, especially like just to hear you talk about, you know, like there being that little bit of tension I feel like it's so this is something that I've written about before like mm -hmm. it's so I hate the tendency to turn the arts into sport in sure. a way that's like compet like making yeah. it competitive because it is more it's all it's about collaboration it doesn't yeah. happen without collaboration like this no. this tendency to sort of make it competitive mm -hmm. is just so to me the opposite of what the arts and especially theater is really yeah. all about. Well, and it's ironic because <laughs> the audiences are all the same. We're all going to see the same yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, you know, the art is like, not, oh, I won't do something there. I only do stuff here. And I was like, well, that doesn't really help you. <laughs> and there's not a lot of people like that, but there are some, you know. Right. And I, I would love to see something more, or even though, you know, something that we've tossed around is getting with the symphony and doing a concert version of a show in the band shell downtown Davenport. Uh -huh. And all of the groups kind of get together and, we do it as one. And I really think, man, I think there's endless possibilities if we can get everybody together, but that's just me. And bringing that up, I could see a real advantage in that because in researching the background of Driving Miss Daisy, mm -hmm. I learned that this is actually the first play of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Oh. And there have been times when, within a short span of time, one theater will do a play, and maybe the next season another theater will do the same play. And I think that works against because, oh, I've already seen it. Yeah. And um, wouldn't it be great if, like, you've done at Mockingbird Driving Miss Daisy and, say, Playcrafters does um, whatever, something about Ballyhoo. And, last night at Ballyhoo. And then the last in the trilogy is a musical, and it won a Tony. What musical is that? You know? It is, I have it right here under my nose. Oh, the second part of the trilogy is The Last Night in Ballyhoo. Mm -hmm. And 
the last is called Parade. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I've produced that and been in that a few times, too. That's a beautiful show. And oh, wouldn't that be nice if the theaters cooperated, like you could yeah. do Driving Miss Days? There, and, there's, and there's other writers that have done that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, something that we're doing this summer, we're doing a, um, a two-person version of Little Women that's focused on Joe and Amy. And Playcrafters is doing an adaptation of Little Women as well. And so something I want to do with them is, because we're doing it almost at the exact same time, is kind of be like, hey, you saw this. You should go see that too. You know, exactly. it shouldn't be a, oh, yeah. you should see ours rather than theirs. They're two very different adaptations. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to work together. But... The theater public is not going to know that they're two very different adaptations. Yeah, ours ours is called Joe slash Amy, and theirs is called Little Women. So there's a lot different there. But you're right. I mean, we need to educate them, too, right. on, you know, when you see, I think of when, you know, everyone in this town was doing Les Mis. Well, just because you saw it at Music Guild doesn't mean that Circuit 21 is the same version. You oh, should exactly. probably see them both. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that way, that everyone's going to put their own spin on everything. I am so excited about just everything listening to you talk is just oh this, <laughs> oh, oh, this is awesome and I, I feel like it's safe to say that you're bringing so much to the table I'm super excited that we got to sit down and talk to you today yeah. I kind of want to hear a little bit more I didn't know that you kind of came from New York I kind of I kind of want to hear a little bit more about your your background as a theater person are you are you yeah. from, are, where where did you come from <laughs> so I, I i actually came from the quad cities okay and that's why i'm so passionate about it because i did grow up here doing community theater here that's this is where i kind of this is my training ground and then i went to western illinois university and studied in their bfa program um and you know i kind of just started working my mentality was always i'm not going to go sit in a city and wait for an opportunity i just wanted to do it yeah so i have spent you know, since I was 18 years old working, um, whether it be here or, you know, little, there's little theaters all over the country that you can work at. And, you know, lucky, you know, lucky for me, Denny Hitchcock was like, Hey, you're an asset. We need to have you here. (laughs) So, you know, he brought me back and then I've just worked basically based out of here. And then I would go off and direct something or go produce something or go, you know, but I was always coming back here because, you know, I ran a theater here for a long time. Um, the infamous district theater, which is infamous now, but it, you know, provided a lot of opportunities and was super fun then. Um, went down in a big ball of flames and it was fantastic, you know, went down with the ship <laughs> um, because we were just very daring in what we were trying to do. Yeah. And, um, but I've been very passionate about this area and the amount of opportunities that you have. And my daughter's here too, so I'm here, but um, no, I'm very passionate about everything to do with the Quad Cities, to a fault maybe sometimes, but because uh, I will defend <laughs> it, you know, hard because uh, I love it. And Oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm, you know, all in and I think there's so much here. And I mean, I mean, there's no – the size of our area, you put it up against any other place in the country and you're not going to find as much art and entertainment here. Like it's kind of a little bit insane, like the stuff that we have. And when I hear people say – now there's nothing to do. I'm like, that's not true. You're not looking very hard. No, then. <laughs> there's something to do every. As a critic, you you probably have three or four things to see every weekend. So well, I was just talking about that the other day because I thought I was going to have next weekend off, but I got <laughs> contacted by Misha Hooker, who is an instructor here at the college, and there is a new uh, yeah he's opening that new, new place. Athens player. So I'll be there Friday night. Um, I would like to go in a 
little bit different direction. Please. Um, on your website, you have a beautiful little thing. You are welcome here. Yes. Superimposed mm. upon the rainbow flag. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that was a kind of a um, a promotion this company was doing out out of the West, and they were just wanting businesses to just promote themselves as you are welcome here, no matter race, you know, whatever you are, you are, you can be here because I think there's, there is a, you know, um, there's a lot of people out there that think that maybe they're not welcome because of their, their, you know, their gender classification, their, you know, sexual preference, their race, whatever. And one of the things that we wanted to be was like, no, we have no, we have no traditions. We have none of those standards that a lot of places have. Mm bring yourself to us and we will accept you however you you know want to be presented and so that's very important to us as well and that came out of the you know a lot of the things that happened during the pandemic too was yeah. you know there Elaborate. were voices there were voices that needed to be heard and we wanted to be the group in town that hey we're here we will gladly hear you you have a story to tell let's go and you know that's something that we're still very passionate about as well um you know um you're a, you know, you identify as a, as a male performer, great, then we will find a male role for you. We won't, you know. Wow. Good. Yeah. So that's kind of our, I don't think I put that very eloquently, but that's kind of. No, you did that at. very well, but I would then uh, explain for us and for our listeners, yes. the House of Ruckus. That's yes, ruckus. I was going to bring that up too because because yes. that is one of my full disclosure. I you know I identify as bisexual and non-binary. My sure. pronouns are they them. So uh-huh. absolutely a queer person here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I very much appreciate about that about what yeah. about you guys. And yeah. I love that you are the home for my personal. <laughs> it's, it's totally totally biased. My per, full full again full disclosure. Personally, my favorite theater troupe in the Quad Cities, uh, House of Ruckus. Honestly, How, yeah, talk, mine talk, too. Talk, like, yeah, they are. T and Calvin are just some of the most creative people on the planet. We just Seriously. did a documentary for Augustana. We were involved in a documentary that they were doing on them. I think that the weird art that they are bringing to the table <laughs> is just my favorite thing ever. And when they brought the idea to – they, because originally we, we opened the theater as a art space for other groups. And we wanted other people to use it, which several people have. And they were one of the first people to contact us. They're like, hey, we have this really – great idea. We're just going to do some weird stuff. And I was like, I already love it. Yes. You don't t- say no more. Come on in. And then when I saw their first show, I laughed so hard that I was like, oh, uh, you, you're always welcome here. Like whenever yeah. you guys want to do something. Their next show's at Ambrose, but then they're back with us this summer. And um, they're just so creative. Mm-hmm. And their stuff is so amazing. And they're so welcoming to everybody. And their stuff is so original and so funny. I have not laughed harder at anything than I have when I see one of their shows. Yeah. I think about that. There was that, I don't know which one it was, when she came on and she was has the tea and she just keeps slapping the tea bag on the thing and the water's overflowing. Yeah. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, and I absolutely love what they bring to the table. And they are my favorite troupe in the Quad Cities as well and mm-hmm. above my own. <laughs> um, you know, they are so good. I love them so much. Okay, let's... Talk about promotion. Yeah. I know you have a Facebook presence, mm-hmm. but if people don't know that Mockingbird exists, yeah. they don't know to go to Facebook or your website mm-hmm. to find out what's going yes. on. And I guarantee, folks, the theater season at Mockingbird this year is really exciting. Oh, thank you. Um, 
very petty of me. You, you need a better sign outside the okay. door. No, no. Here's, so here's the thing. Because I always feel like I'm going to a speakeasy when I go to your Yeah, place. I know. We should just have you have a password at the door. No, that's been a long conversation for us because we agree. It's hard to find us. Um, and it's, it's difficult on that street because you cannot have anything that juts out of the building. Everything has to be flat. Oh. And it's a, if you look at any of the businesses on that block, it's very tough. Can you have it on the building instead of the door? So what we're trying to do is get something that's illuminated on that top part that's flat, but still illuminated. Um, There's just a lot of work around things that we have to do with the city. But one of the things I think we're going to do is do something that kind of cheats it a little bit that we can just kind of like leave out when the doors are open and then we just put flat against the building Sheet so like out, technically if you will. yeah so yeah, technically because the door is recessed and it's really it hard to find it is recessed so that's why I always say in my reviews it's the building right behind me and Billy yeah yeah it's 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 one of those things too it's it comes down to it's a cost thing as well Absolutely. because that's very expensive and we did have some beautiful lights on the building that are not working currently one of them was the other day and I was excited um <laughs> So that's a whole thing we have to fix. But, um, yeah, we agree. We, we wholeheartedly agree that there's – we need to figure that out. And, again, you know, it comes down to, well, do we pay for this show or do we pay for the signage and then right. put less money into the show? So that is on my mind, and that is something that, you know, every year we – you know, we opened in 2021. Every, every year we've tried to do something a little bit – okay, we upgraded the lights this year, you know, this past year. That was one thing that we did. Um, so this year, hopefully, it's the sign. You know, well, there's a little bit of everything. Have you thought about a GoFundMe? You I know, don't know how that works at all. But. Yeah, <laughs> and we have. And one of the things that we've been really conscious about, to a fault again, was that's where our pay-what-you-can model comes in. Yeah, the model's important to us because we 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 don't want it to be a place that people feel they can't afford. Um, <clears throat> we did charge it first, and we discovered that it was kind of edging out a lot of younger artists that couldn't afford to maybe go. And so what we've discovered, though, is even with the pay what you can model, we're making about the same that we did, which is great. Um, But it's also people are coming in that maybe couldn't before, you know. And, and wasn't important. it wonderful of the Quad City Theater Workshop that they started that model? Yes, and, and I've given them credit Which grew then to times. the Prenzy players and yeah. now to you. Yeah, and that was something that was really, you know, and I gave a lot of credit to them when we first opened and, and decided on this model. Um, and it's one of those things, too. We try not to ask for a lot of money because everywhere you go in town, somebody's asking for something because they have to, and I understand why. But one of the things, and again, to our own fault, but because of the way we feel about it, is we didn't want people to come in and feel like, oh, you, they just need something. They, they're going to ask us for a handout again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of places in town do that. I understand why. And honestly, we probably should. But we want people to come and have an artistic experience and not feel like we're just trying to get money from them, yeah. which is a terrible business model, really, when you think <laughs> about it. But it's important to us. So It is such a double-edged sword, right? And I yeah. feel like a lot of creative people and a lot of, uh, I would, I'll say, makers sort of face that, yeah. that especially now with want, wanting, some, wanting to create something that is accessible to yeah. everybody and especially to people who have accessibility problems, but also, you know, wanting it to be sustained enough to continue to make it yeah speaking of accessibility problems you are not ada compliant yes so that is something because we don't own the building it's something that 
originally we were told was that outside was supposed to then get a an extension with a ramp down by those windows. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, there's some issue with then the amount of sidewalk that is available. Right. So there is a side door that does go down the hallway into our back door, which that ramp is there. So when guests do come and they do say, hey, we we do need something with accessibility, um, we can do that because on the side of the building, there is an entrance that does not have a stoop. Maybe you should put that on your website and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, seriously, because yeah. you, you no, want no, to be accessible to yeah. everyone. And how many... Uh, places are not. Yeah, and that's actually a good note. Thank you for that because, um, you know, we're a small mom and pop shop, so it's just the two yeah. of us. And, th- you know, sometimes we don't think about that because we do have people that do reach out to us at this point that said, hey, we're coming again, just so you know. And so we make sure that somebody's by that door to wait for them. It is unfortunate. And honestly, it was one of the things that when we were looking at buildings that almost made me say no to it because of that. Right. Because that step is rough. Um, but because of what we were told, hey, eventually we're going to build this out. There's a lot of things in that building that have not happened. Like we thought, like the bathrooms being rehabbed and things like that oh, have not yeah. happened. That would be nice too. Oh, yes. <laughs> and again, you know, it's one of those things that we're not going to pay for because it it's not part it's, of our building. It's exactly, in a common area. Exactly. So we're hoping that with this new business that's opening down in that same block in that same building, that that'll kind of kickstart some of those projects because that same a building that's having the same issue we did. Well, and I feel like that's a whole, like we could do an entire episode about accessibility in theater spaces, right? Because, you know, like, I mean, St. Ambrose is a perfect example. That building is so incredibly old. Like it's, it is not access, like not ADA compliant at all, like in in any way. And I feel like there, you know, there's a lot of spaces that are just, they're just old buildings, right? Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things we're going to do, again, with we were talking about the sign just coming out and then going away, was um, I think we're just going to end up building our own ramp that just goes out there before the show and then just has to be removed. Oh, good idea. Um, so I think that's probably what we're going to do come spring just because I it bothers me just like the sign bothers me. Again, it's some of those things I just have no control over because I don't own the building. Um, so it's an unfortunate thing. If I did, then I would you know, be so, a rich man. So given our discussions – about accessibility and size of your venue, yeah. do you envision growing your space somewhere else, or do you want to stay exactly as you are? Okay, so I'll tell you, the last time that I was in a situation where we grew the space is Oops. when it went under. <laughs> so, Oh, no. Uh, because it grew too big, mm-hmm. too fast. Um, and that was something we kind of knew going in, and then it happened, and then it was an unfortunate thing. Um, so my whole idea was to keep it intimate, and, you know, when the lease is up there in a couple of years, I don't know. You know, it depends if we're still a viable thing and we're actually doing okay, maybe. You know, huh? we're not we're not married to the space that we're in. We like what it is. And if we did grow, it would be to something slightly bigger to give us more opportunity on the stage. But to I was going to say, um, I was really impressed with the set. Thank and and uh, Savannah gets a big... Hooray yes. for me in my review. Yeah. Um, the, that's something if, we try to make sure that the settings are always cool in there. That's something that we've maintained. I was with. astounded at the efficiency of everything that was crammed onto that little postage stamp of a stage. And it used I to be really even smaller, impressed. but we've expanded it. So oh. that was another thing we did this year was we expanded it. And we have some plans to expand it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, you know, you just kind of have to grow, you know. I am very much a let's do it 
but let's do it right, mm. mm-hmm. you know? And um, so that's something that I like to, I like to have the Mockingbird maintain a certain excellence. You know, when people come, I want them to have a good experience. Again, it goes back to my Disney stuff is, you know, when you go into a Disney attraction, it's. You were pristine. with Disney too? I was New not. York, no, Disney? No. Oh God, oh, I my wish goodness. I, I wish I worked at Disney. <laughs> I just have a big, uh, you know, I just love Disney and all, what they're all about. So I carry that, their mentality with me all the time. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. Nice. I'm, this has been a great way to start my day. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Tristan. Absolutely. And you talked about this. You talked about this a little bit earlier, but I just want to hear you say again in your own words, why is why is community theater important? What does community theater sure. mean to you? Well, I think it's important on so many levels, but one of the things that I think it does and in the times that we're living in it does so well is a sense of you know community theater the word community Mm. and the connections and i think you know instead of kids being inside you know trapped on a device you know and even adults too you're getting this camaraderie with this this you know people that become your family and to be in that world playing pretend you know which is like an age-old thing is such a cool experience that you cannot get, mm-hmm. you know, playing on a, a, a football team or a, you know, it's a very different level. And to see people come together and create magic the way that people do is kind of astonishing when you think about it. And I think a lot of times patrons kind of go in and they don't think about that. They're not thinking about the the literal, you know, hundreds of people that are, it takes backstage. to put, yeah, backstage, on stage, and all these people, you know, in community theater are doing this for free. They are yeah. doing this because they love it. And it is pure magic when you see that happen because they have all come together to tell a story. And, like, what's better than that? You know what I mean? Nothing. There's nothing better than that. And so, you know, we are very blessed in this area to have a community theater scene that's very loving and, you know, it's all about connection and, you know, really speaks to what community is. So, um you know, obviously I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you kind of answered this already, but like, let you know, pretend I am a college football player. Sure. You know, I've got a Friday night to myself. I want to go out on the town and do something. Out of all the things to do I have at my disposal, why should I go see a local theater show? You will not experience something quite as visceral as you can. You can go see a movie, and that's going to be great. You can go to a sporting event. That's going to be great, too. But to see people on stage connecting as other people, like, mm. are you kidding me? That is, like, the best thing that's ever happened. People just playing pretend, man. It takes you back to when you were a kid, and you were pretending to be, you know, superheroes or something with your friends. But these are adults doing it and having the time of their lives. You're <laughs> never going to see the the twinkle in somebody's eye like you can when you go watch them, you know, get fully immersed in in a world that they're pretending in. And I mentioned this in a prior review. I actually reviewed Davenport Junior Theater. And that was the thing I said. It was the best part of the whole experience was seeing my granddaughter's eyes light up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, golly. Yeah, my (laughs) daughter too. You know, I take her to see stuff all the time and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. She also tells me when she doesn't. And that's a good thing. No, that's a good thing. It's great. I do have a couple of downsides on it, on driving Miss Daisy. Oh, well, there are some. Well. Yeah, and we know what they are. The the coffee cups. The coffee cups. But you still have two more chances to get it. Yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, we're very proud of it. And, you know, it's it's the thing with art. You know, there's always a few things when I watch it, I'm like, I wish that was 
which sounds different. Sometimes it's just the writing, you know, with Driving Miss Daisy especially. I mean, there are so many transitions in that thing. I was and surprised at how short the scenes were. The scenes are very short, yeah. And coping with that and the costume changes and everything, yeah. it was um, surprising to me. Yeah, the playwright makes it almost impossible to not have those transitions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and it's one of the things you wrestle with. It's like, well, what do you do? But as an artist, you have to stay true to what's on the page. You can't, yeah. you know. And that's the great thing, the difference between the film yeah. and the stage version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some big differences. But we're, you know, it's still a beautiful piece. And I think, you know, the script te- says a lot of important things. And that's why we picked it for yep. this year. Yep, it was a very good production. Yeah. Well, before we go, you mentioned uh, you also have a podcast, and I would I love for you to get the uh, get the chance to plug that because I yeah. will probably be listening as well. Yeah, yeah, it's um, called "Of Mice and Main Street Men." Um, it's about a year old now. We've done fifty some odd episodes. Um, it's uh, another actor and I, Sean McCall, and I do this Disney centric podcast. We talk about various things that have to do with the Disney universe, whether it's the film, the parks, um, we're both big Disney nerds and we used to get together and talk about it anyway. And one day last year I said, we should just start recording these. And, um, yeah, we've amassed about a little over 2000 followers wow. and 2000 listeners now. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, it's a great little hit. You know, we, we get invited to do other podcasts now and like talk to other, you know, Disney podcasters and things. So it's a really cool thing. And he's a travel agent, so it helps his business. And, mm. um, but, um, yeah, man, it's so cool. Of Mice and Main Street Men can be found on all uh, major pod- podcast platforms. It's a lot of fun. We just have a good time. Well, you have been a yeah. fabulous first guest. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you so much. I'm so happy to be here. This is great. I think it's going to be a big hit. Thank you so much, Tristan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. Footlights is a production of WVIK, Quad Cities, and PR. I'm Jaren Michelle. And I'm Chris Hicks. Break, Break a leg. leg.